Our first scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, and we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the gospel lesson for today and the text for the sermon is from the gospel according to Luke in the 18th chapter. Listen for God's word to you. Jesus also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you happen to have grown up Presbyterian like I did, or maybe you were in another Protestant tradition, uh, then this whole notion of Ash Wednesday and even Lent is a relatively new concept. I didn't grow up with much awareness of Ash Wednesday and Lent. That was something the Roman Catholic Church did, the Roman Catholic side of the family, but we Protestants, we, we didn't do it and we didn't get it. When I was a very young pastor back in Syracuse, back in the early 80s, uh, there was one of our elders, his name was John, probably he was in his 30s in, in those years, told me that at work one day he noticed one of the secretaries had what he thought was a kind of a smudge of dirt on her forehead and he didn't want to embarrass her so he quietly goes up to her and he says, Sarah, you, you have a smudge of dirt on your forehead. And she looks up at him and says, John, really? 
He says, yeah, really, you, you have a smudge of dirt. You might want to go to the women's room and wash off that smudge of dirt. And she says, John, I'm Catholic. And he says, well, I'm Presbyterian, but you still have a smudge of dirt on your forehead. See, Presbyterians back in the day didn't get Ash Wednesday. We were, we were late to the game. But even though we were late to the game, we've taken up Ash Wednesday, and we've taken up Lent, and I believe that's uh, to our benefit. We have learned much from incorporating Ash Wednesday and this season of Lent into our liturgy and into our lives, even though I know there are some of us still uncomfortable with that smudge of dirt on our foreheads. Again, when I was a much younger pastor and I first started with the liturgy for Ash Wednesday, I, I'll confess to you that I was very uncomfortable saying the words that the liturgy suggests that you use to accompany the imposition of ashes on the forehead or on the hand. For some of our hardcore Presbyterians, they still don't want it on their foreheads. I'm still uncomfortable with those words, and maybe you are as well. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What a stark word. What, what an uncomfortable word to hear, and yet a word that is very, very true. We are made of dust, are we not? We are mostly oxygen, and then the dust is carbon. That's, that's what we are made up of. We are human beings, and as humans, we are made up of humus, right? Dust, the dirt of the earth, and one day we'll return to that basic elemental state. So every year on Ash Wednesday and into Lent, we are invited to ponder this very sobering truth. We are mortal. We are limited, right? It doesn't go on and on and on forever in this life. There's a, there's a time limit, and we return to the dust. This year, on this particular Ash Wednesday, in this particular time of Lent, I want to invite us to consider how we spend too much of our limited time in actions and in attitudes that are harmful and hurtful to others. These harmful actions and this harmful attitude that sometimes we have, that all has negative consequences for our lives and for others, of course, in our lives. I believe Jesus invites us to ponder these very things when he offers us, offers the, uh, the crowd, this parable on the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, parables, you remember, are simple stories which Jesus tells, and these stories convey deeper truths, and these stories challenge us to live our lives differently, to live our lives more in congruence with God's best intentions for us, both on the inside, in our spirits, with our attitudes, and on the outside, how we act, how we behave with one another. Two men, Jesus says, went up to the temple to pray. Straightforward, two people going to temple, going to church, going to the synagogue, things that uh, Christians and Jews and Muslims have done for, for centuries, for, for generations. We go to a set-aside place to pray and to worship. And friends, isn't that something we've all missed? We're not going to church as we 
used to. We still, I, I so miss that and look forward to the day when we can do that again. When these two men arrived at the temple that day, no one handed them a bulletin. It was not a gathered worship service. This was a, a personal thing for these two guys. They, they wanted to pray. They wanted some alone time with God. So they went to the temple to pray, to meditate. One of them, Jesus tells us, was a Pharisee. Now, Pharisee, a revered person in that time and place, someone devoted to following God's law to the letter. Think respectable, think honorable, um, upstanding member of society, a good Christian, a good Presbyterian. He stands by himself in the pew there. He likely had his hands up like this, which some of us might think is odd, but that was a typical way you said your prayers back in those days. And he offers God a prayer of thanks. He says, you ready? I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of strikes me as an odd kind of prayer. He doesn't thank God for good health. He doesn't thank God for food or shelter or loving relationships in his lives. No, he thanks God that he is not like other people. And he lines out in his prayer his good and upright behavior. All right? He fasts, not once a week, but twice a week, right? more than the law requires. He tithes all of his income, not just the portions that the law requires. We might do well with a few more tithing Pharisees in our churches these days. But the problem, I think, is this individual does not entertain any thought of the ways he might have hurt others, the, the things he might have done, the attitudes he might have that are harmful and hurtful to other people. All of that is covered over. All of that is glossed over with this veneer of righteousness. I thank you, God, that I am not, like, that I am better. I thank you that I am better than other people. Focusing only on himself, he looks down at others. He has his nose in the air, and he looks down at others, and he also lists them, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and out of his peripheral vision, he sees this other guy who showed up to church that day, even this tax collector. This tax collector, that's the, the other man who showed up to worship that day in Jesus' parable. And of course, you've heard about tax collectors before, most of us. They were loathed by others. They, they compromised themselves. They sold themselves to the Roman authorities. They collected taxes to help finance the violent occupation of the Roman government in that time and place. And they overcharged to supplement their own salaries. Think scoundrel, think low life, think no good person. And this guy, his prayer is markedly different from the Pharisee's prayer. He doesn't stand up like this. He sits in the last pew in the last corner. He is slumped in the shadows, one of the commentators said. Slumped in the shadows, his prayer is very different. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
This guy, he feels awful. He's beating his chest. He knows he has hurt others. He knows his occupation has brought hardship and pain to others. And he knows he's caught. He knows he has no excuse before God. So he asks God for mercy. He asks God for forgiveness and for help. Now to the utter shock of those people, that ancient crowd who first heard Jesus tell this parable, Jesus says it is this scoundrel, this tax collector, who went home justified. In other words, who went home restored to a right relationship with God rather than the good, upright Pharisee. And why? Why? Because in the anti-logic and in the subversive ways of the gospel, those who openly admit their mistakes, they find favor with God. Who'd have thought? Those who see how their actions and their attitudes are harmful to others, they are made right with God. On the other hand, those who see only the good and righteous ways in their own life, those who look down at others, those who judge others, those who point an accusing finger at others, who see others' attitudes and actions as harmful, not their own, their relationship with God is strained and they ultimately do damage to their own souls. So friends, the good news of the gospel, I believe, in this text, is that you and I need to own it. We need to own up to our own mistakes, to our own shortcomings. We need to take stock of our lives, to, to spend some time in that mirror and seriously reflect how our lives, how our attitudes, how our actions have at times been harmful and hurtful to others. Can't ignore that. If, if, if you don't do that, you ultimately do harm to your own lives. Now this includes, I think, the very hard work of our becoming more aware of our participation in systems and structures that cause harm to other people, especially people of color and especially the poor and those who are underserved among us. Boy, that's hard. I don't want to do that. I don't even want to go there sometimes, but we need to do that. How do we, at what level do we participate in structures and in systems that are harmful to people of color and are harmful to the poor? I remember one of my pastors uh, growing up, as a little kid, I just remember this. He said to us, be very careful when you point the accusing finger at someone when you look down at someone, point down to them. Remember, at the same time you're pointing out their faults and their shortcomings with your finger, there are three fingers pointing back to you. So friends, during these days of Lent, I hope we will remember to point those accusing fingers right here so that we can own it so that we can own up and take stock of our own lives, our own hurtful attitudes and hurtful actions. Then, then, friends, we can find the forgiveness that God offers us. Then, 
we can be restored to a right relationship with God, and then we can be empowered to live our lives differently. We can be empowered to change the world around us. So friends, may that be so for you and for me. And all of God's people said, amen.